To another episode of the 104 podcast. My name is Herman. This is a podcast about the Edmonton Oilers in a healthy and productive manner. On my right is another person that's undefeated, including the Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche, Elliot Tanti. Yes. How are you, buddy? Very well. Very well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit in shock. I actually. I think for the first time in a very long time, I actually predicted correctly. You did. <laughs> and usually because my predictions are so ridiculous. Um, and yeah, saying the others are going to go 3-0 and was a ridiculous prediction. But here we are. Here we are. End of the week, and they're 5-0. and It's reality. It is reality. It is reality. I'm so happy that um, it's funny because Elliot and I were talking. We are talking politics. The Canadian election was coming up. And we were very like, oh, I don't know. This is very crappy election lately it's like let's talk something positive let's talk the Edmonton <laughs> Oilers yeah when's the last time you could say that when's actually the last time you used to say that <laughs> so coming up we're going to talk about um Ethan Bear doing amazing stuff we're going to talk about Connor obviously then we're going to talk about the goalie matchups but first we have to talk start with James Neal James the real deal Neal James Neal the steal. The real deal. The real deal. <laughs> <laughs> Seven goals in his first five games. Seven goals. Like five on the power play or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, he's basically, well, he's taken um, Chase on spot on the first power play unit. Yeah. And with good reason, obviously. Yep. Uh, we're Now, I know you were very excited when the Lucci Trenil deal got right. done. And you'd been actually talking about it throughout the season last year, too. So yep. you were about ahead of the curve on this. Thank um, you. <laughs> But did you think it was going to go this well? We'll start the no. season. No, 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 no. I mean, like, I, I don't think I even was expecting like a twenty-goal campaign from James Neal. Do you know what I mean? I felt like if he gets like fifteen goals, like, I'd be happy with that. Like, if if he's a solid second liner, that he stays in the second line, and like, I didn't. I'm not expecting a whole lot from the Oilers this, this season. I'm also not expecting. I wasn't expecting a whole lot of James Neal. I just knew that he was going to be better than Lucic, and I'm just like, that's going to be great. And if he isn't, his contract is much more capable of buying out than Lucic. I was, that's why I was happy with the, the Neil for Lucic swap, because I'm just like, low expectations. Maybe he'll get 10, 15 goals. Um, I wasn't expecting a start like this from James Neal. I also wasn't expecting how well that power play clicks with James Neal being in front of the net. Like, I didn't realize how good of a sniper he gets to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been my big takeaway, too, is the, the, the improvement in the power play. Someone described it really well. I think it might have been Jason Strudwick on the Gregor show about how when you have a threat that's like a legit threat down low um, from there, all it does is enforce the opposition's defense on the power play or on the penalty kill uh, to cheat down more to try yeah. and cover him off. Which means even a half of half a second more for guys like Leon and yep. Connor, which is exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I didn't fully appreciate the value of that until you saw it in in like in, in true form. Yeah, and the power play has been outstanding. They've been really great. Forty one percent. I think the only reason why we're not talking about it as much as we are in this city is because the penalty kill has also may have been so improved as well. Yeah. Too. Um, 
But yeah, that first penalty, that first power play unit, James Neal has uh, revolutionized it. Now, do I think he's going to be on this pace for the rest <laughs> of the year? No. Absolutely not. Do you I mean, think, of course. I think here's where Herman hits us with some solid shot percentage stat or something <laughs> like that uh, to bring us all back down to earth. So I'm going to preempt of that and say that I know this isn't going to be forever. No. Um, but he certainly represents What's a, realistic a new goal and dynamic. Point for you? Well, James I think Neal. I think it was on that same show they were talking because obviously they were talking about James Neal, where he's you know if he if he played the rest of the season um, with his average career shot percentage, not what he's at right now. Yeah, uh, you're looking at 29 goals. Yeah, which that's is I good. think that's high. I mean, again, if you told me at the beginning of the season James Neal is going to end up with 20 goals, I'd be thrilled. And I think that that's totally a reasonable place to be with him, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, well, he's a, normally a 20-goal score player. Like, last year was one of the few seasons where he didn't hit 20 goals. Um, I'm just looking at his stats here, uh, season per season. So, um, the year before Calgary, uh, obviously, yeah, last year, he had seven goals. Uh, 25 goals in Vegas. That was a great season. In Nashville, 23 goals, 31 goals, 23 goals, 27, 20. He's a consistent 20-goal scorer, right? Yeah. So the last year was the only year where they he got slaughtered in the fourth line. Obviously, there was some tensions around James Neal and Calgary Flames. Something happened. We don't know exactly what it is, but it just didn't click in Calgary. Um, but now he's got seven goals in five games and like like equaled his statting from last year already. Um, and I mean... I could see it like a 25-goal mark from James Neal. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as he continues to be a mainstay on the power play, the power play isn't obviously going to hang out at 41% for the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, we'll, if it's at least better than it was in the years previous, hey, we're in really good shape going mm-hmm. into this one, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm very happy with the James Neal transaction. I think that's has been Holland's um, cap tip. For the for this franchise yeah, right now, absolutely. He started he started off strong. Let's say it's that very for very sure. they're strong. Um, what do you think of uh, who has he, he has been playing with? So he's been playing with Nuge and your it's Yurko, right? It's not Jerko. Yeah, Yurko. I, I heard it the other yeah. day, and I think it was on I, I don't like on no others play by play, and they're like Tomas Yurko, and I'm like. Okay, I've been pronouncing this yeah. wrong for a long time. So it's like it's like all the people with Jagmeet versus Jugmeat saying Jugmeat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like Hassan Minaj was talking about Jugmeat saying, and I'm and he's saying he pronounced it Jugmeat. It's like my man Jugmeat, and I'm like, okay, that's that's, that's the pronoun- the, that's, that's the real that's, one. That's the way you say it. <laughs> yeah. I had it described to me as jug of water, plate of meat, jug meat, jug meat. Mike, make sure that uh, Yurko, we don't have a trick for yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Um, <laughs> no, I think this is kind of a really, uh, for me, I see a solid second line. I, I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, maybe hasn't gotten off to the start that you expected in terms of point production, but uh, had a goal that he basically banked in off James Neal, and James <laughs> Neal got credit for. So let's, you know, I don't want to get too <laughs> too crazy on that. Um, and he's just playing strong hockey. I haven't had an issue with this line. I think that they're all top six players. I think Yurko brings some speed mm-hmm. to that line. Uh, and, uh, I mean, obviously, James Neal hasn't had the success five on five as he's had a, a lot of his goals have come oh, on the power play. Yeah. But it's a solid second line in the NHL. Yeah, totally, totally. And I, um, I'm i looking at the lineups right now. And, like, Joaquin Nygaard has moved down to the fourth line. Um uh, Jerkyra still has been kind of up and down. Riley Sheehan's been okay. 
Josh Archibald. <laughs> so I was watching the Rangers game on yeah, Saturday. I, I know where you're going. <laughs> and I think a lot of people saw this too. He was like on a two-on-one with Connor, like screaming down, and he's just like, shoot. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are you doing? Just like, like, like nodding off Connor McDavid, and yeah. then shoots it wide, goes to the other net, and like Capocacco scores his goal. Uh, the worst part about the play was that he missed the net with the he shot. He missed the net by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you he got like a tongue lashing after that oh, one after I, he coming I, back to yeah. the bench. Probably from <laughs> Connor himself. Yeah, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, you, yeah. you, you know who I am, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks like on here is on the on the um, bottom pair, bottom line here. Um, Granlund and Nygaard on the fourth line. Uh, I really think, okay, you, you kind of skipped over him, but Riley Sheehan, since joining the lineup, yeah. has really changed the dynamic of the Edmonton Oilers. I, I think he's improved the bottom six. It means they have four solid centermen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really liked the way that that line has played with since he's entered back into the lineup. He was a really good addition late. Yeah, I think, like, again, he's one of those, like, the, um, like him and Granlund and uh, Archibald, like, in that area of like these like solid vets that have fourth line vets that are just there but Riley Sheehan has been he's been decent I, I'm really happy with him yeah really and he's killing penalties too yeah, yeah. I, I just this goes back to the topics we were talking about last week um, was that I just see there's a clear six forwards that are the top six and that are the scorers and are meant to be dangerous and engage with the play in that side and a clear bottom six, which are energy guys, guys that you put in defensive situations yep. that are completely um, working towards, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, thinking about the defensive end of the uh, yeah. side of the puck. Zach and, and energy players. Yeah. Also been, has been really good. Really? Did like, you hear me? <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Since Cassian's also been playing really well, <laughs> he's been playing outstanding. He's been playing great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a, I think it's a re- he's a really good fit with Drysaddle and McDavid. He, he really is. He's size great, but he can skate with them. He's just as fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not as fast as Connor, but he's I as mean, fast who as Leon. Is? Come on, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he can keep up, and he does provide. Um, you know that capacity to dominate on the cycle, and he's got good hands. He's got first no, you know, first, <laughs> first round, round, first round skill, first round skill. He's a yeah. first round pick. He sure is. So, who is the Oilers' best goalie right now? Oh boy. So, Smith had really first two good games, and Koskinen had a decent two good games, and Smith came back to beat the Rangers. Um, right now, man, this is going to be tough. I I really feel like Koskinen is still a like a tiny bit more like consistent than Mike Smith. I was worried about that LA Kings game where we let in like five goals. Yeah, um, I think more than that, it's very difficult. I mean, I think we've sort of decided if the rest of the season goes like this, where it's like two in, two out, one one, three two. Um, that's fine. Yeah. What I have noticed is I really like the way in which they are um, being used. In that you can see like there's 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 a direct cause between you right. know a switch and goaltending, um, and I think both goalies. It's been made clear to both goalies that there's going to be shared time. Yeah. And just to expect that. Yeah. Um, but if you're playing really well, we're going to go back with you. Yeah. I think you know like Koskinen had two pretty decent games, but the second one wasn't perfect. No. Um. And so then you go back with Smith. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go back with Smith. You know, Smith, did he play well? I think he played well in his last game. He kept the minute. Yep. Now, do you go back to, 
it'll be interesting to see tonight who they go with in Chicago. I have a feeling it might be Mike Smith again. I think so too. Um, mm. And they'll go home back to I, it's fine because it just seems like it, it just seems purpose driven and results oriented and you kind of you know Tippett's a great coach and you can totally see the plan and see what's going on. Um, so like I just I really like the way in which they're being used and the way in which yeah yeah I'm you know <laughs> when you have a five and zero team. There's not a whole lot to be like upset about. Um, you can be upset about a, some certain things. Um, I think there was watching the Rangers game on Saturday. It was an early game. It was a sloppy, sloppy game. It was like the first two periods really just the, the puck was bouncing all over the place. People could not get a hold of things. And Mike Smith, there was a, there was a period of time where Mike Smith lost his stick. And I was like, oh, who took a stick? And it was, like, sitting right beside him. <laughs> he just picked it up and just, like, came on. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, Mike Smith and a stick. He's like, an adventure, man. Thing. He's an adventure. Every time I watch him, I'm just like, oh, something yeah. crazy is going to happen. Um, so that's why I like Mike Smith. It's just that he's the entertainment value. He's interesting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he came up with some amazing saves uh, in the Rangers game. And I think he is that solid veteran presence there. Also, that kind of wild presence that maybe the Oilers kind of need sometimes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but Koskinen, I'm very interested into what Koskinen is going to bring to the Oilers in the next. I would, I, I think I'm with you. They're probably going to go back to Smith for Chicago, and then go home the back to back and home play. Koskinen and depending on Smith plays tonight, he might get that game. But I don't know. Oh, yeah. It might be really interesting. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, like, we can't talk about a five zero start with the Oilers without talking about Connor McDavid. Okay, I have a hot take coming. Oh, here we go. So this morning, Connor was named first star of the week in the entire NHL. Mm-hmm. Good for Connor. Was he even the best Oiler this week? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I, think I, that, I don't think it's even a hot take. I think, think Drysaddle might I'm have been you. better than him. I mean, he has one more point than Drysaddle, so there's twelve eleven. So you have that. What kind of freaking podcast is this? Were you just agreeing with each other <laughs> now? <laughs> yeah, what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> When the others are winning, we disagree. When they're losing, it's, it's a shit show. It's a hot mess. Yeah, I think Drysdale actually had a better week. I than think Connor. so too. I really do. I got to look at the points, but I feel like Drysdale has been. I think Connor's gone off to like a slow start. To be honest, he's yeah. leading the he's leading 12, the NHL in points. Twelve points in five games, and he's like, I, he's I like, Connor I can be better. Can be better. So silly. It's so silly to be an Edmonton Oilers fan. It's just the dumbest thing. Because I think it's because you, when you watch Oiler games, you know like the the potential that Connor has to like just turn a game around, and he has. Like he's he's done it in Vancouver. Like he yep. he he scored that game winner in yep. with the Devils. Yeah, uh, great reaction by McDavid just when he got when they got the call because it was reviewed, and he just like. And they and they showed that he tied, and it's like in the bench. Yeah, like he was like in the middle of like heating water, just like throws it down, and he's like, "F yeah, <laughs> done. good, good captain there." Yeah. Um, but like, like, I was like again, I was watching the Rangers game, and I'm just like, I didn't find him as like. Well, Drysaddle was outstanding in the Rangers game. Yeah, I mean, Drysaddle took that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, feel, I'm with you with Drysaddle. Like, I feel like he's been driving the power play. He's been driving yeah. that line more so, and. And that's great. If we are, so if, we're, if for the rest of the season we're having a debate about who's better, Drysaddle or McDavid, that's exactly where we want to be as a team. How does James Neal not get like first? Yeah, I mean he's got <laughs> the most goals too. Yeah, I think James Neal will be, you know, and I think this is probably what happens to Drysaddle a lot too. 
is that there's a perception that they are having the success that they are because they're playing with Connor McDavid. That, yeah, probably. and you know some of that might be kind of true, but that's that, that's gonna in these sort of like opinion awards that you get. That, <laughs> yeah. and there's a couple of them that come out throughout the year, and uh, obviously these like weekly and monthly stars are the best example of them. I think they're both victims of that. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to see in a five and zero start to to figure out. Who's <laughs> better, Connor or Leon? So I'm happy with that. Uh, just having both be amazing players, and uh, yeah, like, and you're right. Like, there's going to be a lot of like, um, oh, you know, Niels is only good because Connor and who plays with Connor, they're good. But again, he's playing in the second line, he's playing with Nuge, and like, you're right, five first five, he's not been scoring as much, but it's not like he's been terrible five v five. No, it's not like he's been dra- he's been like dragging that line down. So like I completely agree. It's been he's been fantastic. So very happy with him. Um, and the last thing that we got to talk about is our boy, our boy Ethan Bear. Yeah. Just went into the lineup. <clears throat> we were we were so the excited. Oilers youngest player. Youngest player besides Connor. Are we right? Yeah, I think they're they're both twenty two. He might be he might be younger than Connor. <laughs> so Ethan Bear, we've been we've been so happy for the Ethan Bear show to finally arrive, and it has. Um, Ethan Bear has been fantastic this year. Really smart, delicate plays. Made a couple of really nice ups to Connor McDavid for a couple goals this week. But here's the thing that really stands out for me: the Edmonton Oilers lost one of their best defensemen, mm-hmm. and it hasn't shown yet because of the no. improved play of the entire defensive core. But a big part of that is Ethan Bear, right? Absolutely, absolutely. He's been playing in that first pairing uh, with um, Officer Clefbaum and just... No, uh, Nurse, I think. Nurse, you're right. You're absolutely right. Is there Arnold Nurse? Um, and he's been, like, solid. Just solid. Like, he has... Um, I think he was... I think... Uh, what's his face? Um, Matt Henderson put out the, the Corsis, the, the the CF Corsis for defensemen. I think he was leading it. He was, I don't know like, what that means. <laughs> it's a fancy stats. He had the most hits. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what was his plus minus? Yeah, what is his penalty minutes? Give me that. <laughs> oh, by the way, going back to Neil, the the takes from Calgary have been absolutely fantastic. By the way, for the Lucic Neil thing, yeah. have been absolutely great. And I I also feel for like Flames fans right now because this was the same position that Oilers fans were in. <laughs> years ago exactly just, just trying to justify their existence yeah. it's like man he's just been fighting he's been so good and blah 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 anyways i feel for you flames fan but i'm not sympathetic anyways <laughs> back to ethan bear he um he's he i think he was one of the higher horsey fours uh in that game against in new york rangers and all not only that uh not only he, he was the highest but all of them all of our defensive core were above 50 percent in, yes. in cf that is fantastic that's great to see. and it goes to show you that if you have so darnell nurse and ethan bear have picking up a lot of those 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 first line minutes by the way darnell nurse is quietly again having a really strong year yep. and only getting better um and you see a clear second prayer emerging with Oscar Clefbaum and um, Yol Yol Person Yol Person. <laughs> uh, but you look at those two. You've got a more veteran player playing with a younger mm-hmm, player in both mm-hmm. those situations, um, and the younger player, you know, and one being a little bit more defensive responsible, and the other one responsible, and the um, older player being more of the puck mover and right. you know, steadying the ship in the back yeah. there. 
Um, and now we finally got Chris Russell and Matt Blanning playing where they should be, which is third line, <laughs> third line defenseman, third yep. line defenseman, and mm-hmm. that's that's fine as well too. Mm-hmm. So again, another example of how Tippett has developed and created very clear, or very clearly articulated the role in which he wants players to play, and then pushed them to play that role really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like the top six, bottom six, I, you know, you see a real intention and in the way that this defensive core is put together and despite a really major injury everyone's playing to where they're expected to be please please god let's not have another injury um no, but i mean despite the, the fact that we do have a yeah major injury, no but i'm just like i'm just like if like nurse or cleft bomb goes out like i that's that's be harsh to take um but even that yeah right you're absolutely right like your person has been also uh, a quiet revelation um they have all been playing like person i think played probably this is the best game against the rangers um yeah they've been really even like somebody like matt benning who has been kind of like the whipping boy <clears throat> lately he was decent last game too like he was not like but when you, it goes to show you when you're put in positions where you can have success you know these guys can have success they're all nhl caliber players yeah now does that mean if you're an nhl caliber player you're gonna play 20 minutes a night no for someone like matt benning 12 to 15 Keep him away from you know high pressure situations. Right, that's fine. That's right, the, and he's going to do his job. You can put him out on you know offensive draws. You can put him out against teams third and fourth lines. He's going to do the job that you need him to do. Yes, um, as Absolutely. long as you set him up for success in that place. Absolutely, I think Tigabiz done done a great job with that. Okay, we're going to other things you want to talk about before we close it out. Uh, I just wanted to make fun of Flames fans more, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And I'll just leave that because it's, that's going to come back to haunt me. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, this, we, bad this, karma. this has been two weeks. <laughs> They've had ten years. Let's just. Let's just. Oh boy, um, but yeah, uh, that's. <laughs> I'll tell you this much for Oiler fans. Um, let's not get too high. Up let's on our be horses. humble. Let's be humble about this because we definitely know that, that there's going to be some times where we're going to feel like crap. Yeah, like this team is doing fantastic right now. I don't think that's going to be sustainable. At the same time, we're going to have probably better times this year than we did last year. I feel, I really do feel that. Yes. The yeah. lows will be much lower. Yeah. Or no, higher. Higher. Yes. <laughs> and the highs will be higher. Higher. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This The floor on this team is a lot higher than it was last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, like 10 points in, like, like we already got 10 points. We need 95 to get into the playoffs around there. I mean, last year someone made it 89, right? Yeah. Well, last year was a weird year. But, year. but yeah. I mean, like, if we get, like, 95, we already got We're 10 in. The show. in. 85, man. That's all we need. So uh, let's 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 keep pulling away for that. Um, coming up with the order schedule, it's Chicago today for six, at 6 p.m. Then they go back to Edmonton and Philly, and then they go on Friday to play Detroit. Again, we were talking about this, all kind of winnable games. Are you going to go for a 3-0 start again? No, I think that it's time we go two zero and one. I think they're going to lose one of these. I, I think, I, yeah, but I think the Oilers are going to have points in every one of these games. I think so too. I don't know about points, but I, I do feel like it's going to be a winning record. I do. I'm going to go back to the two and one again, okay. um, and yeah, we'll go for that again. Uh, so coming up, <clears throat> we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about uh, one of the bigger issues that happened in hockey. All right, Elliot. <clears throat> We're going to end on something that happened um, maybe a couple days ago, three days ago, um, when um, 
<clears throat> excuse me. And it was I found this on Reddit, and I've been found it then on Twitter. Um, this young man who was coaching this this team of young kids, a uh, young man who's who's Muslim, got this very very racist message, um, basically stating asking for him to resign just because he's quote unquote Muslim. I don't even know what his really the identity is, but I'm sure he's just he's brown looking guy, and this dad asked him to resign because of the color of his skin. So, this kind of delves into a little bit bigger topic. Well, here's the... Here's the and I think that this is important to note. The guy asked him to resign because he's a Muslim, but it probably has something to do with his color of his skin. Most but like, he just doesn't... can't He can't disassociate someone of color with their religion, and so he says Muslim directly and then gets into, like, these weird arguments around like tradition in hockey right and um how yeah i mean if you want to read it read it it's not you know it's easy to find it's not worth reading you can read the first couple of lines and you know exactly where it's gonna go yeah anyway <clears throat> it's there's some value in that too it started with i'm not racist which is the great yeah great start to this um i just I feel like this stuff is a constant problem in hockey, and I think it's great that I'm hearing the solidarity with uh, the young man Tal Tal, if I feel pronouncing his name right. Um, solidarity with him, and uh, that people are against this kind of racism. And I think it was probably one of the more upvoted posts in our hockey, and a lot of people are kind of in solidarity with him. Um, saying that, though, this stuff happens in the shadows way more often than we see it, right? Yeah, and I think what's particularly disturbing is this obviously a guy who is volunteering his time in a minor hockey league capacity um, that's that, that's feeling this kind of pressure. And, you know, those are a volunteer, some people that are particularly volunteer with children are some of our most high-regarded individuals in our society. So that this would take place in, in that sort of a space is equally troubling. Um you tweeted out something yesterday. You basically just retweeted this whole exchange and said hockey has a race problem. Yeah. Why do you think that that is? Because I think that this kind of stuff happens in the shadows way more often than we let it to be. Um, I follow this this group called the Black Girls Hockey Club, um, and they and there's also um, a guy. His tag is decolonize hockey, which is kind of funny. Um, Let's see if I can find him. Anyways, he's been on the case of being like, there's a lot of more issues with hockey um, that we actually just, we don't really recognize. Um, I'll find it later. I can't even find it now. Um, oh, there it is. It's funny. It's right here. <clears throat> and he's been, you know, relating all these issues. Like, there was those issues with those indigenous boys. And it usually happens in Canada with indigenous uh, young men um, that when they go to places like Quebec or when they go to other places that they are constantly taunted uh, for being indigenous or for being a part of an indigenous culture. Um, so that, that's an issue that happens constantly, constantly in hockey and in Canada. Um, and I think because we have such a white culture in hockey that this stuff is continuously going to happen until we kind of have to figure out how the system works within trying to get you know people of color and people that are not white recognized and actually celebrated in hockey and obviously that's not going to happen overnight but i mean like there's something there this obviously this guy 
didn't like obviously he just woke up to, to read this but he that this came from somewhere this came from somewhere he didn't just all of a sudden wake up and say i'm gonna be racist today yeah <laughs> you know what and I mean? actually he believed that what he was saying was justified and not racist exactly and wholly problematic I, I mean i think going a step further than that i don't know I, I think the CFL, for example, has done a really good job of talking about diversity in really intelligent way. Diversity is strength mm-hmm. has been like sort of their motto for a while, and they've been talking about, you know, they created a bunch of products and having more and more honest conversations. Now, half the league is men of color, so right. there's obviously a different relationship there. Whereas in hockey, you're starting to see more racialized individuals in the league, um, but still remains, uh, you know, predominantly white players in the league. I wonder, is there been an example or that you can think of? And maybe this is telling in and of itself of the NHL doing something similar around race, like having a you know anti-racism campaign or a conversation around uh, race in hockey. Maybe pulling players of color together. I can't think of I can't anything. Think of one. And I, I imagine there probably has been some sort of something. I could see that, but if it's not visible, then it's not. No. And that it's not effective. So I wonder. I, I think that. There is a role for the larger league, the, the professional league, the best league in the in the in the world. In the world yep. Um, to have a conversation about it, and wouldn't it be nice if they could just gather a bunch of racialized players together and have a conversation about race? Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And I'm very curious to hear, like, like I mean, like, let's be real, we're two white-looking guys talking about this. Yeah. Like, um, at the same time, like, I would love to hear somebody like Darnold Nurse here talk about this or somebody like Jujar Kyra because I'm sure that this stuff might have happened with them specifically um, you know the incident that I can think of is one Brown Devante, Devante smith Pelly uh, that year when somebody told him to he should be playing basketball instead of hockey um, didn't someone throw a banana at him too yes yeah yeah and don't get me wrong even if it, there is more diversity in regards to color of the skins in the sport, doesn't mean that racism is solved. Like, racism still happens, like, in soccer. And soccer is a very, very diverse sport. Like, we see in Italy, like, people throwing bananas at, at, at oh, yeah. play with players. So it's like, this is not going to solve that issue. But at the same time, you're right. There hasn't been that actual conversation about race in hockey. I mean, you saw FIFA take a big chunk out of that debate during one of the, not the last World Cup. Maybe it was the last World Cup or the I World think Cup. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, or like a stop racism campaign and like really clear and honest conversation about. But I mean, hockey is a race problem in that I think, too, it immortalizes one of the most racially charged figures um, and holds him up as God in, in mm-hmm. Don Cherry. Don Cherry has Absolutely. made a living of. of of speaking poorly of people that weren't Canadian, absolutely, uh, and, and hockey players that weren't Canadian, and some of that comes from the fact that he's a fossil. But what's frustrating to me is that where where is Don Cherry every Saturday on the national broadcaster mm-hmm. talking about hockey and mm-hmm. continues to be. Um, and I think when you've got a guy here, you know, when you talk, when he's saying words like tradition, and you should resign. Um, I mean, this is a big issue in hockey. Do you think that they're going to touch? You know, do you think that this is going to come up on Coach's Corner next Saturday? Not on Coach's Corner. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And do you think? Um, and where do those words come from in terms of tradition and 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 how the game should be played? It's an older breed of white commentators and public figures that speak about the game in those sorts of terms. Right. Right. So that I, I, you know, not to suggest that Don Cherry is the reason why this guy made a racist post, but there is there's correlations between a, a hockey culture 
<laughs> that um, immortalizes those things and what this guy was saying to his son's brown hockey coach. Yeah, Don Cherry is like the... He is the visual of the problem. Do you know what I mean? Like, there is a bigger systemic problem around this, and Don Cherry comes out of that problem. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I am very curious to hear what, how people react to this. And, like, right now, people are reacting to this very positively, in a sense. Not positively, like, very much, like, against racism and, and really clowning on this, this, this uh, Riley's dad, <laughs> which is mentioned on here. Um, but at the same time, it, it only goes so far to kind of surface level. And I saw some comments, even in the Reddit one, there was like, wow, man, imagine if this kid is like draft eligible, like having like a racist dad. It was like, I bet you any money, there's a bunch of racist dads out there already that have first rounders as as players. Like this is already out there. This is not something that's been, but it lies in the shadows, right? It's very much like yeah. this very real problem, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and and it's not unique to hockey, right? No, absolutely so not. That's I think, the thing. I, you know, it's it's in our society, and obviously the most insidious racism, just like the most insidious sexism, just like the most insidious. Mm-hmm. Um, any other forms of oppression are the ones that lie in the shadows that aren't visible, um, that are systemic and not, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think I think you're right. Um, it's not unique, but it's important that we articulate it, and that and I think it's it's good that this has come out. Yeah. I think I would like to see. And I know this is too much to ask, but I'd like to see some of the sports commentators that have big roles in, in the NHL have this similar conversation to the one that we're having now. Right. Where's the Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer conversation about this? Um, I think generally Team 1260 do a good job, but I hope that this is a topic for Gregor and uh, for Nielsen uh, you know, in Edmonton. I would hope that Spectre's writing a story about this. I would hope that uh, Rashog is talking about it. And those are just Edmonton-based yeah. reporters. I would hope that Bob McKenzie's talking about this yeah. from a, and from a, a, a you know a more national audience center I hope that this isn't just a you know I don't think they do hot stove anymore but they, you know that the, the, the yeah. CBC hot stove yeah. you know that there isn't a topic there and I would hope that it shows up on Coach's Corner if for nothing else that it would expose Don Cherry but I, I think you know it looks that's, scared about it though that's I, the thing they're I worried, worried about that, I right? worry that that's not going to happen that's not going to happen that's not going to happen and they're way too risk averse for that some stuff well let's give them a chance <laughs> yeah, Let's give enough, them a chance. Enough. I mean, I think that people in hockey and the NHL would just like to to are going to say not all dads and bury this, you know. <laughs> and, that, and I feel that that's going to be the, the message, um, right? But I I would like you hashtag know, not all dads. not all dads <laughs> not all dads of Riley. Riley's dad is hashtag not all dads. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's let, let's hope that that happens. And and for those commentators that do take this on, because not all of the people that I yeah. mentioned are going to, but some will. I think I believe some will. Let's give them credit where credits due, and let's, let's keep listening to their shows. And, and because they deserve to be out there, and, and they they need they want, they have a voice. Yeah. And yeah. an important one, and they're tackling important issues. Yeah. They're not talking about who should be, you know, whether Jujar is good enough for the third line or the fourth. They should be staying on the fourth line. Yeah. Like, this is a really, you this know, is these a are bigger systemic problem. Exactly. That they should be that should be addressed. Exactly. There was an incident as well, just in the first week of hockey, um, smaller incident, where an announcer um, mentioned one of a German player, and he was of Spanish descent. I think it was like his last name was Ortiz, and. The announcer was like, well, he sounds like he should be playing shortstop. Like, so it was, again, one of those things where it's like, well, 
I understand where he's coming from, but also like this is well, minorly racist, and uh, he got in yeah. trouble for that um, for that specific comment. The good thing is right now, and and I think what we're hearing in society is that these things are not. Um, they're coming out more often that like people are noticing these things more often and which is good the noticing part is always good things like this like maybe 10 15 years ago Tala maybe still coaching somebody but this kind of incident would have not happened out in the public as it is right now um, maybe that's good maybe it's bad depending on what you think of that kind of stuff but at the same time like People are noticing. People are noticing this more often. And I hope that, that there will be more of a national conversation around this. What do you think about um, the way in which this was put out in terms of, um, you know, just making it public? Yeah, I... Hmm, this is like call-out culture <laughs> 101 kind of thing. Um, I don't really like that it was like the name was there and also like... Now we know that this is... You can look up this... I'm sure if you do a little bit of digging, you know where this guy could... Like, trains. You probably could find out where, who Riley is and who, who this guy is. So... Yeah. That, that's my only concern about this. I, I actually I actually don't like it for that exact reason, is that I think it exposes the child to... Uh, to not, you know, you, you potentially mm-hmm. have exposed a child who has done nothing wrong here, simply yeah. wants to play hockey and plays hockey, um, and, you know, has an idiot dad and a coach that's racialized, uh, to some some drama and some danger. And, I you know, obviously I people who know this... People in the dressing room would know that this has taken place now. Um, I would have liked to, uh, and maybe that was going to happen either way, but I would have preferred to have some of the names omitted, I think. I agree. I agree with that. Um, I don't mind having this message out there being like, this is what happens to me. This is what messages that I get. Uh, the name part of it, because then people tend to dogpile, and then people tend to um, put people in dangerous situations. And unfortunately... You know, we can't control everybody that's online. And if we give them the impetus to have a little bit of mob justice, that might happen. And unfortunately for Talha, uh, that might go down on him. At the same time, I don't blame him for putting this out into the Internet. Like, no, I'm I fine think with that's that. Like, this is important that we need to actually talk about it. Like, And I'm sure he probably wasn't expecting this to have 9,000 retweets. But... This hit a nerve for a lot of people, yeah. and this is the and that's yeah. the thing, right? So it's yeah. it, this is important um, to talk about. I, I agree with that. The doxing part of it, I don't really like that. <laughs> I yeah. really don't, especially in the internet. We can't control what and happens, and especially when it involves a child. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I, that part I don't really like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy we're having this conversation. It's an important conversation to have. I'm glad that we've had it. Yeah, I'm excited to see who else makes the time for these conversations. I agree, and I'm excited to. I'm I'm interested to see who will have it. Like, and I can imagine. Like I'm, I'm listening back to Puck Soup because I, even though I don't like Greg Wyshynski, I do like Ryan Lambert. I do like Down Goes Brown, and they had a good conversation last time about the the announcer calling, doing a stupid that that kind of that baseball comment. Um, and they did have a conversation. They do have a little bit more deep, deeper conversations around that. I, I wonder if they'll bring this up. But I'm wondering, like, like an Elliot Freeman will bring it up. You know what I mean? Like a Jeff Merrick will bring it up. Like, yeah, you're right. Like a Bob McKenzie will bring like, it up. Like, take note of who does and who doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And then go from there. And also, like, 
is don't be afraid to follow people that are um, more racialized that follow hockey. Like, cause there are out there, <laughs> they're out there in the world. Like I said, I follow somebody. I follow an account called Black Girls Hockey. Um, you should follow them. <laughs> like, I'm gonna give you guys a big shout out. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Um, let's see if I can find their Twitter account. They have some really good content, and they have there it is. No, not the Blackhawks. <laughs> Blackhawks girls hockey. No, no I don't no, think no, that's no, the, that's the that one, one that you're looking for. <laughs> but it is important, it is. I think, too. Like, there are lots of people who have different perspectives on hockey outside of the mainstream group. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot. So, yeah. you know, you've given this one and, and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important, too. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's at Black Girl Hockey. Um, Black Girl Hockey Club, they're Capitals fans. They go to the games all the time. They really promote their... Their, their racialized selves and to, to and they love hockey and these are the people that we really uh, should be helping out and pulling them up to say like because hockey is as much as it can be uh, a word that gets passed around hockey is for everybody and hockey should be enjoyed by everybody because it's a great sport absolutely <laughs> couldn't agree more anyways that is it for the 104 good show 7 and 0 no, seven zero one or six zero one one. Six zero one one. No, no, no. Seven zero one one. Seven zero one one. Yeah. We'll be back next week, maybe uh, or not. If we'll we'll make, make, take a week break, but uh, let's go Oilers. Let's go Oilers.